I only have one color and it's red. That's it. <laughs> I like red. That's fine. Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for listening to I Don't Get It. This is a podcast about performance in Edmonton. I'm Fonda. I'm Colleen Fian. And we are proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATP. Now, Colleen, we saw a, um, we saw a fantastic dance piece tonight. First, what I'm going to throw to actually is the piece that I saw last night at the Citadel Theater. It was uh, it was the Citadel Theater's production of As You Like It, uh, which was kind of like a cool hippie like like very hippie ass <laughs> production of Shakespeare's uh, As You Like It with um like a very big Beatles musical twist. So and I saw that with um, our friend Brianne Byrne, who has another podcast on the Alberta Podcast Network. What's her podcast? Brianne's podcast is called Emily Missed Out. Um, and it is about mostly Brianne talking to her friend Emily about how she missed out on classic movies. Um, and each episode is a different classic movie. So they've done things like Ghostbusters and, you know, like Dirty oh, Dancing. Cute. Yeah. So um, so but Brianne, um, as part of APN, uh, has been a friend for a little while. And I've always wanted to go see a show with her because she actually has like a really good big dance background and music background. Uh, and I thought that um, I thought that she'd be great. And so we saw as you like it at the citadel so well we're just gonna throw to that one first we'll throw to that right now hi brianne hello miss vanda how are you doing <laughs> i'm great now we went to a really fun show i know wasn't that fun before we talk about the show can you tell us who you are <sighs> Here's where the red happens, okay? <laughs> it's funny because there's like a red light from like someone's brakes and in the parking lot right shining right on your face. And I was yeah. just like, you don't turn red that fast. That can't be. Well, I can start with how I know you. Okay. I know you from Northwest Fest Film Festival. We didn't get to work together for very long, but um, that is what I'm a part of. Um, I'm also on the Emily Missed Out podcast on the Alberta Podcast Network, which is another opportunity for me to hang out with you and go to fun shows. Yeah, the Alberta Podcast Network. Like, we love having our friends from the network on the show to, to do all these things. Um, so, well, what did we see? Uh, we saw As You Like It, which I was honest with you when I said I wasn't sure what this play was about. I had to look it up before we came. So Shakespeare, and we were going to get Beatles, wrestling, and 1960s in Vancouver. I had no idea how this was going to come together. Yeah, yeah. So Daryl Cloran's production of As You Like It has reset um, the, you know, the like the famed like Shakespeare comedy As You Like It. Um, instead of the forests of um, the forest of Arden, yes. it is the forest of the Okanagan yes. in the 1960s. And what we kind of, I mean. It, it, Basically, what it was was truly, as you like it, set in the 1960s with a smattering of jukebox musical of Beatles, of like Beatles songs, which I thought was an actually like a, a really brilliant compliment to the Shakespeare text. You kind of realize how... Um, 
Like, actually how, like, brilliantly lyrical the Beatles are and how close sometimes Shakespeare can be yeah. to some of the, like, the songs like that. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. any type of storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. Anytime it fits in that way. It's, and Beatles were all about storytelling. Yeah, so. and especially love songs. Especially love songs, <laughs> yes. Well, what did, what did we see when we go straight into the show? Uh, we got to see a wrestling ring, mm-hmm. which I, again, knew there was going to be wrestling in this play, but had no idea how it was going to play into it. Mm-hmm. And we got to witness an awesome, two awesome matches right off the hop yeah. before it even like kicked into the play, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Before before the Shakespeare, um, the, the traditional Shakespeare yeah. part even really starts, we get um, like a couple of really great matches between... Um, Farron Timoteo and Austin Eckert. Um, Austin Eckert um, then becomes part of the band and plays a couple of other smaller parts. And Farron Timoteo plays Silvius the Shepherd later on, um, which is like a brilliant comic turn. Um, Farron is just like such a wonderful singer, but also a really great com- physical comic. Um, so, so that turned out that way. But their wrestling was just insane and hilarious. <laughs> I think I love Fabuloso. Is that fair to say? I, c- I would have been happy with more wrestling in this play. Yeah, I remember when they first came out and like started disrobing, I leaned over. I was like, well, we could just watch this uh, all day. Yeah, I'm down. I'm totally down. Great. Um, so then, of course, the, the play starts and um, Rosalind, our, our heroine, um, is banished be- after um, Orlando's big wrestling match. Um, and I think that... Uh, you know, you can read the Shakespeare synopsis online. <laughs> we won't go too much into it. But yes, basically, they all end up in the forest and they're, you know, trying to fool each other and in love and all these things. <laughs> I th- I think I'm forever going to think of the banished Duke as a hippie. I think that was like the greatest turn of events. It's just like, oh, so I got banished. Well, I'm just gonna live in the forest with Red my love. with my friends yeah. and this Volkswagen van, <laughs> and it's gonna be great. <laughs> he seemed to be having a very good time. Rosalind's father, right? Right. Um, so Rosalind in this um, play was play uh, in this production was played by Lindsay Angel or Angel or Angel. I'm really I'm terribly sorry. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. Um, and Orlando was played by Jeff Irving. I found I thought that this Orlando was really sort of kind of like uh like a kind of a foppish Tom Cruise sort of funny in in a in a through the teeth kind of way if I say that. He was, he was a really sweet puppy dog character. But you say this version of Orlando cuz mm. you said you've seen this play a few times. Um, I have seen productions of As You Like It before. The Citadel did it not too long ago as part of um, the BAMP Center program. I think it might have been like five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Free Will, uh, the Free Will Shakespeare Festival also did um, As You Like It not too long ago as well. So I've had, I, I have seen the play a couple of times, um, you know, and, and just the, the different takes on certain characters, um, especially the role of Jacques. That's what I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what was your take on Jacques? going in um well <laughs> i admit also admittedly before we <laughs> 
once you said it, it made sense to me. But as I was reading the play, it was definitely Jacques uh-huh. in my brain. In the Canadian brain, you read it and yes. you're like, yeah, that's Jacques. But no, when you're reading the Shakespeare, it's well, Jacques. <laughs> and unfortunately, totally, here's my, uh, I guess my Emily missed out moment, is that <laughs> I didn't realize that all the world's a stage was from this play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was awesome to see that actual monologue mm-hmm. being, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a brilliant soliloquy. Like, any actor just, like, freaking eats that up. Um, and in this play, Jacques is played um, by a female actor uh, and uh, Sarah Constable in, in this production. And I felt, did a fantastic job, um, like, had a lot of gravitas, really good, really good, like, pace and timing. Um, Jacques is, I don't know, sort of, like some actors dreams I would think because it's just kind of like a drop-in character it's this melancholy poet that lives in the forest and just gets to make this like beautiful speeches and and sort of like tie things together in the end and you're just kind of like yeah Jacques you're the shit that's sort of the thing yeah enjoyable character also especially in black and fluorescent orange pants that Mm -hmm. was wonderful yes did like the 60s garb for the play. Yeah, the costume design was all done by um, Carmen Tour in this production. Um, I will say that, um, directed by Daryl Cloran, this version of As You Like It with all of the Beatles jukebox kind of dropped in was first done at Bard on the Beach uh, maybe three years ago, I think 2018. Uh, and And it was a really big hit there. And so Daryl Cloran, now being the artistic director of the Citadel, is like, well, I'm going to fulfill my Shakespeare credits this year and we're going to do we're gonna do this like madcap hippie romp through <laughs> through the Okanagan forest. <laughs> I did not. I could not imagine what this mishmash was going to be, and it was super fun and enjoyable. Mm. I yeah. It was. Yeah, what was so cool? I think about. I mean, I'm. I, I've said it on this podcast before. I'm kind of like I'm kind of one of those old fashioned Shakespeare purists. Like I I don't. I don't always like it when there's a lot of stuff added on or there's like a really kind of like heavy hand in like a new genre or or era. Um, But this worked so well. Just the punctuation of the songs with how the characters were feeling and how almost like a lot of the lyrics in the songs really even related to the text was brilliant to me. Yeah, even even if you were even if you were lost in the Shakespeare, you were going to figure it out when they gave you the Beatles song that went along with it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally cool. Um so what were some of your favorite parts in the show? What were some uh, scenes or songs even that stood out to you? Um I think we both really enjoyed Let It Be Mm -hmm. and um, (laughs) saying when we left that I wish I could have heard more of Across the Universe because it was actually really good. Yeah. And those were both sung by Oscar Dirks, who didn't play a main role in the musical, but er, in the in the play. But he was part of the band. (laughs) Yeah. He was the lead guitar player and he gave us actually some of the best musical moments, I think. Yeah. And and I guess like the main speaking role that he has was William, who's kind of trying to woo Phoebe at one point for a little while but then he kind of just like goes back into the band and has these beautiful songs that were just punctuated these like extremely emotional moments of the show um and and yeah we're like so fitting and and wonderful um 
totally stole those scenes without even really being part of like the actual Shakespeare play. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I um I really enjoyed. Uh, is it Silvius? Is that the character's name? Yeah, the the shepherd <laughs> Farron Timoteo played. Yeah. yeah, I mean, really fun comedy there. I like I told you, I laughed way more than I expected to for a Shakespeare play. <laughs> yeah, and then um oh the gentleman that played um. Oh, the guy with the specky blonde hair. Oh, Touchstone. Thank you. Touchstone, Touchstone sort of the jester in this. Yeah, that was played by Kayvon Koshkam. <laughs> he was great for comedic timing. Yeah, he was so, he was really funny. He kind of reminded me a little bit of, um, you watch Shit's Creek. Yeah. Like David Rose a little bit. Okay. Just sort of that kind of like flamboyant and just like <laughs> jumpy and, and like, yeah, just very funny. Also ends up like having just kind of like a really lovely odd and and kind of gross relationship with uh, with Audrey, played by Jenny McKillop, who was also really hilarious. Um, everyone in this show um, ha- could sing. They had great chop singing. Rosalind nailed every song that mm-hmm. she sang. It was wonderful. I, I don't know the actor's name. Sorry, you got the book there. Right at the top there, Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay, oh, Angel. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she was wonderful for every piece that she sang. Um, I was the register was really low mm-hmm. for um, some of the uh, like female singing parts because they were trying to match with the guys for the Beatles tunes, mm-hmm. and they all did it so well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen a few sort of jukebox musicals before. The Citadel did a Johnny Cash musical earlier this summer, um, or, or I guess last summer. Um, did and you see it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it was all right. I like Johnny Cash musicals. It was well performed. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like, I grew up with the Beatles. My mom's a huge fan of John Lennon, all this stuff. And you kind of... I think this this really sort of like opened my eyes a little bit to how um specific and emotive the the Beatles range can be. Like it was it was actually just like it, it, the songs were used in a lot more unique way than I thought they were even though they were still really true to the actual Beatles songs. Like setting Jacques like introduction to the walrus I was like that is the most perfect use of the walrus and the character of Jacques that I have ever seen like it was that was wonderful yeah it took you it took me a minute to realize what she was because she was saying the words to the song and not singing it Mm -hmm. so it took me a moment to realize what was going to come up but then she broke into yeah I am the walrus and Mm -hmm. everybody felt their sigh of relief just like whoa yes and then yeah and then you felt like like it because some some of the songs crept up on you a little bit right um yeah and then in particular with that one when the song finally came out you were like Yes, like yeah. you felt really validated and satisfied yes. by it. That's the wrong word. Yeah. Thank you for fixing that. Thank you for fixing that, Fonda. I think relief is also a fine word sometimes. In in, in the right context. <laughs> that was not it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um there was something I was going to say about uh, the Beatles music. Oh, e- e- even if you, again, same with the Shakespeare, if you weren't a fan of Beatles music or aren't a fan of Beatles music, mm-hmm. they were all songs that we you would have heard mm-hmm. in whatever, on the radio for years and years, played over and over. So you would be comfortable with the songs anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a huge Beatles fan, but I knew every single song that mm-hmm. was played. So it was just an extra addition to the wrestling Shakespeare adventure that we just had. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. I thought that the it was interesting because the set, um, you know, for as many sort of like places that it 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 touted to take us to, the set didn't really change very much. No. There was the wrestling ring at the very beginning and then they were in the forest and that was that was sort of it. I was very curious about what where the water in the pond was coming from. <laughs> um, but I think that's a secret that we'll leave to Touchstone and his and his, you know. <laughs> he was so great with that water. I it's the dumbest thing just like <laughs> how you get comedy out of a little water pond yeah yeah but you can but but that's but that's like skill and talent and yeah. like good timing and that's good great. direction too i think is that you can really like you can pull the laugh and pull the kind of like feel goodness out of all of that and i i think this production was um really successful i i like i'm not going to say that i was like skeptical or anything cuz i do love watching shakespeare most of the time um but this one this surprised me i liked it a lot more than i was expecting to and and that was really cool yeah, me too. I, I haven't been to a performance at the Citadel for a long time, so thank you very much for the invite. Oh, yeah, you should come back anytime. Why don't you tell us what um, Emily Missed Out is about? <laughs> um, okay, so it is about trying to catch my pop culturally film illiterate friend up on all of the films that she has missed out on. And it's mostly about trying to figure out what the relevance of them is, are. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to go through the lines and tropes and characters and actors and stuff. Re- basically trying to give her a reason why she should know this stuff <laughs> is how that goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I'm successful and sometimes I'm not. Yeah. And so do you watch the film before or after you record the podcast? Um, I try and get her to guess what the film is about based on (laughs) what she probably has heard about it over Mm -hmm. the years, Mm -hmm. um, which is sometimes pretty good. Um, And then uh, we watch the movie and see see how that goes. Nice. This is sort of how Paul and I talk about The Sopranos all the time. Yeah. I'm always just kind of like he's never seen it and I've seen it like a like a hundred times. (laughs) So it's always just like, oh, that's like when Tony says this in The Sopranos or when Carmela says this and Paul's like, I don't know. I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what happens. We she was my office co-worker and I would just drop movie lines all the time. She'd be like, what? Huh? (laughs) Totally over totally over her head. And then I'd be like, oh, oh, all right. And when the opportunity came up for us to try and watch them, we figured maybe we'd try and record them too. See, see how that went. I love that. I think that's an amazing premise for the podcast. What's a, for what's um, a recent episode that you've done that people should listen to? Um, the last episode that we did was Blade Runner. Mm. Um, but we do have, um, <laughs> it was supposed to be a Christmas episode, but we have Die Hard coming. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, well, thank you so much for coming to see As You Like It with me, Brianne. It was really it was really great to see a show with you. I hope you'll come back sometime and do it again. I will come anytime, Fonda. Thank you so much for the invite. Awesome. I know you have a dance background, so next up, we're going to go see some dance. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. This episode is supported in part by Edmonton Community Foundation and the Well-Endowed Podcast. Their most recent episode features the Student Spaceflight Experiment Program. This program gets kids to design experiments with the goal of having their work loaded into a rocket and launched 400 kilometers up to the International Space Station. And Edmonton Public Schools is not about to miss that trip. This is serious science, friends. To listen and to find out more about Edmonton Community Foundation's projects, head to thewellendowedpodcast.com.
All right. So thank you very much to Brianne for um, seeing As You Like It with us. That was a really great show. Again, as I said in the in the review, it was probably the best production of As You Like It that I have ever seen. And I've seen a few productions of As You Like It. Um, Colleen, what did we see tonight? Tonight we attended uh, Alberta Ballet's performance of Unleashed at the Jubilee, um, running February 21st to 22nd. Um, it consisted of three pieces. Um, there was the uh, the first piece was Allegro Brillante, which was a fairly short um, Balanchine performance of a Tchaikovsky piece. Um, the second act was Yearning to Make a Difference um, by Anne uh, Plamondon and the third act was Petal by choreographer Helen Peckett um, and so yeah it was a sort of a three-parter which is a, a, a sort of a non-traditional way of, of viewing the ballet typically when you go to see the ballet you think of seeing one sort of overarching story type thing so so this was a, a bit more of an, a, an unusual modern approach to going to view the ballet so we got two intermissions to chat and catch up um so yeah it was a really good time yeah um i i mean i think that the the progression and i i honestly feel that the order of the pieces that they that they picked or that they chose to present them in was also interesting because balanchine was your sort of like very classical very satisfying um you know kind of like yes this is your this is your ballet vitamin for the evening right. <laughs> Uh, and then um, M. Plamondon's piece, um, the second one called Yearning to Make a Difference, was um, very contemporary, very new, a piece commissioned specifically for Alberta Ballet and, and had a lot more sort of, uh, I don't want to say melancholic, but it had a, um, it had a, a much darker tone and theme to it than um, the other two pieces, which finished off with Petal. And Petal was very springtimey and like maybe like you had said earlier a sort of pastoral but still very contemporary and modern yeah I felt that it was like it was very colorful I felt that the contemporary really snapped the um the the music Philip Glass I mean like ugh. I mean you start the evening with Tchaikovsky and you end with Philip Glass like that's that's pretty good night pretty good um well so let's let's start with the first piece let's start with um Balanchine's Allegro Brillante um what were your thoughts on the initial the initial piece uh of unleashed so apparently there's a part of me that's a 97 year old lady who just really likes to see point shoes and tutus <laughs> and i kind of i kind of just like to watch some traditional ballet sometimes and i um having seen some some modern ballet companies so i i I like it when it's like, all right, let's get some. I I, I like me some Tchaikovsky. Who doesn't? And I like me some point shoes. Um, unfortunately, like I just, yeah, the the reality of, of old school ballet is that it really relies on an exquisite principle, and you just you just dying to see every move that they make and every muscle twinge that they have and I, I didn't really feel that this evening although that being said like everybody executed what they were doing just beautifully there was nothing technically wrong with what happened um you know it was sort of like there was no elaborate set there were no elaborate costumes so you know as an opera I'm also disappointed when there's no elaborate set no elaborate costumes so mm. like you know it was it was beautiful it was really well done but you know 
Fair. I like. I mean, as much as I love the be- love seeing Bella and Sheen, and I do feel like it is like say like taking your medicine a little bit in the ballet. It's like opening your peppermint, you know. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And it, there are people that attend the ballet that just would like to see classical music and point shoes and yeah, as they and and, the, and the the fully synchronized movement, very precise. But I just feel I felt like there was like a little bit of the. Um, it's not that the precision itself was lacking, but that there was that sort of like emphasis and oomph behind it mm-hmm. that I wanted to just kind of be like, look at how good this is. Yeah. Look at how good we are. Um, that I have seen with Alberta Ballet and some other balancing pieces that it, they've presented. Um, but let's move on to the second piece now. Yeah. So Anne Plamondon um, has is a Montreal choreographer. This piece um, called "Yearning to Make a Difference" was commissioned specifically for Alberta Ballet. Um, in previews, I have read that it was um, in some way inspired by a really tragic news story that she, the choreographer, had heard in Montreal um, about uh, a young girl who had been abused for many years, um, and you know the the community sort of ended up rallying around this story and how tragic it really was um and it did come out in the narrative of the piece uh even though the narrative was very um uh very abstract uh you you did feel that there was sort of like a sense of community around what was happening in the piece colleen how did you feel about like what was what was happening um in in in, with with the dancers in in this in this part so right off the top like the tone is totally different from the sort of like traditional piece and I, you know it started off with so there's 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 there were about four or five different musical um, movements to the piece which and the music in and of itself was was very modern but also very moving and I almost felt like the very very first piece was like a was like a, a like a, a, a an East Asian war field like it was like drums and sort of things happening and um and, and that sort of threw me off and then it moved into um, two sort of binary pieces where there were some drums that were happening, but also sort of a classical wave that moved through. So all of a sudden you're hearing like two really different genres kind of um, competing with with each other for your attention. And and uh, so, you know, my husband and I recently have been watching the, the new Jean-Luc Picard Star Trek series. So Oh my so God, Star like, Trek Picard. <laughs> but like, you know, the very first movement um, felt like you were on like the starship of a, of a Borg starship and it's just, you know, really angular movements and everybody's sort of monochronistic or, you know, um, I, it's supposed to be identical. Nothing's feminine, nothing's masculine. Everybody's dressed in blue. Everything's dark. Everything's harsh. Um so I was just like, oh, yeah, Star Trek. So, you know, <laughs> give me that moment. And then things sort of move through the piece. And there's this blanket that gets like thrown into the piece halfway through that I think we're meant to believe as a baby. Or I sure I sure I that's how I responded. Mm-hmm. And and all of a sudden you're feeling these this like like you're sitting in the audience in the middle of a ballet and people are just sort of tossing this blanket around the stage and you're like, it's the baby. Please take care of the baby. Please take care of the baby. <laughs> and so what, you know, what a beautiful movement artistically for everybody to be going, it's the baby. Take care of the baby. And it's just mm-hmm. a friggin' blanket. And then they do this like folding piece halfway through where 
so they totally wrap you in and I just Mm -hmm. so I found the piece that started off super harsh got super human Mm -hmm. um and and I I I totally bought in and I I I don't know if that was how I was supposed to respond to it but I I bought in and was worried about the future of the blanket so worked for me yeah one of the most beautiful choreographic moments of the evening was that there are um a couple some two dancers uh on the side folding the blanket together and the rest of the company is sort of half lit but they are just doing this kind of like very subtle rocking uh at all like synchronized and it is just it's just this very it's very comforting because you feel that you feel like something has happened or something tragic. Like a village is mm-hmm. picking up this blanket and yeah. rocking it as a group. Yeah, 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 and that and that was a very beautiful piece. I th- like. I think that um, Plamondon really did hit some very communal, um, sensitive moments and very moments of uh, just like true pathos and 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 sensitivity. The costume design I thought was very effective. I don't often really like that kind of like martial art sort of like yeah, um, pant the, yeah. going on, but it, they were all dressed in this indigo blue, these sort of drapey pants um, and and tank tops, and it would and it caught, everything caught the light so well. It wasn't, and I always I often do still make the complaint. I'm like, light the dancers, light the dancers. Um, but even though this was sort of like subtly lit, and the dancers were in a dark blue um the light caught everything of that fabric and it caught it and it really just made them look sort of sublime i i i like i felt that it was very effective the costume design was by um marie audrey jacques i was a little bit stunned by how good it looked mm-hmm. um you know like certain parts of the choreography i was impressed with i thought that they were the very um well done in in ensemble um for sure but uh but yeah i felt that the the actual like costume very lent very well to the story that they were trying to tell yeah and the story came ringing clear and it was it, i found it emotional and mm-hmm. yeah absolutely even though no one was individualized necessarily until the very end um there's one dancer that emerged individually kind of like with you know a, a bodysuit and and a, a you know some kind of like heart or I don't know yeah, that, hole in the in the in the costume. The most emotionally impactful piece for me, f- mm-hmm. for me. But mm-hmm. yeah, like I, it didn't anyway. Okay, well, so that was the second piece, and then we got a second intermission, <laughs> um, and then there was the third piece, which is um, I have to say, me and Fonda do well at the ballet. We know so many people. We just chat, 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 chatted. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the second intermission we run into like 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 wonderful Edmonton writer Myrna Costash who had a lot of like heady opinions and it was just lovely. The first intermission we ran into uh, Annette Loiselle of Skirts of Fire, the Skirts of Fire Festival, which you will hear about shortly in our next ad and plug for the live episode that we're doing. It was just a lovely lady ladies' night on the town. Yeah. So, but the third piece of um of Alberta Ballet's Unleashed was called. Petal, um, and this is Helen Pickett's. Um, it, it's sort of like kind of a, I wouldn't say classic American piece, but it is a piece that has been produced um, in the American sort of like contemporary dance circuit for a little 
while now. Um, and uh, it's, it's very well acclaimed, very well liked. Um, and if from the opening strokes of it, you can sort of see why. At least I felt that way. Colleen, how did you feel about, um, about Petal when you were watching it? So Petal, uh, so the so the young, the, the dancers are all in, the women are in these beautiful yellow sort of uh, bathing suit type costumes and the men are in these like um, turquoise pants and it's sort of youthful and vibrant and and it, it's a very, it, it just really reminds me of sort of a modern pastoral piece where they're all dancing and they're beautiful and they're vibrant and it's, um, it's just such, it's just like, like eating candy like it's just fun Mm -hmm. it is so it's a neoclassical piece there's a little bit on point there's most of it is not on point um and and there's uh it's it's a piece for 10 dancers i think the the, mostly eight there's four men and four women who sort of like play the main roles but i felt like that there were actually 10 dancers at one point in any case it's very colorful in the costuming and then the lighting and i loved the music i mean the music is philip glass um there's there's um a, a couple of other pieces it's not a brooding i'm me myself i'm used to philip glass glass being fairly brooding mm. and this isn't it's not a brooding piece it's like a fairly uplifting kind of Mm-hmm. Yeah. I say, see, for me, I find that Philip Glass's uh, uh, sort of like um, main characteristic for me is very circular. Oh. Like I find that it loops and loops and loops and builds and builds and builds. Um, but in any case, I, I do take your point. So having like Philip Glass be like the, scoring this Happy like Philip very pe- petal pastoral and pastel sort of like lovely. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, so um, what were some of your thoughts on the on the choreography and the movement in this piece? Because it didn't really necessarily tell us a, a story per se. No, it was more it was more pas de based. So it's it was couples based and and but just you know, I mean, but there's something lovely about watching a, a pastoral piece that is sort of based on the man and the woman dancing together and like there's something really comforting about that but it's also a really modern piece so it showed off the bodies so beautifully the male dancers like I I'm sorry well call me what I have call me whatever I am but watching a male ballet dancer leap into the air and do the athletics that they only can do mm-hmm. is just beautiful and I so yeah so the men would come on as a team and do their beautiful dances and their you know their whatever and then the, the women would come on and do these beautiful potages and it was just like it's just pleasing mm-hmm. I honestly felt that Petal was the best use of the male dancers oh, in for the evening yeah. um, I felt that like I mean Balanchine I think maybe it was of a time where male dancers were still sort of just kind of like oh, doing yeah. their their main spins and jumps and leaps and lifting the female dancers and that was sort of their role um and i do feel even though i'd like actually in through plamondon's piece most of the dancers seemed very genderless like it didn't they they didn't really split between male and female that much but pedal the dancers they did split and the male dancers were actually allowed to shine in a different way i i felt for sure colleen Watching, knowing what you've seen of ballet and of like dance performances and things like that, how did you feel overall about Alberta Ballet presenting um, an evening like this? Did you feel that you learned anything about Alberta Ballet as a company by watching this show? 
Well, so what I've come to expect from Alberta Ballet is sort of the big storybook ballets. We sort of talked about this earlier, but sort of the big storybook ballets where you know them. It's, you know, it's a whole thing. It's a whole complete piece by a composer with a whole complete story. And so coming to see a piece like this, I mean, frankly, I felt like it was intended to be um, uh, the, the act to, um, excuse me, um, uh, I, 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 frankly, I, I intended that they really what they wanted to do was plumb and piece, and then they wanted to package it with two easily accessible pieces before and after, and that's fine with me. Like I, I think, you know, you got to please your audience, and I, I, I really enjoyed Act Two. I think it was probably challenging for some of the audience members. I really enjoyed it, and yeah. So I think I think piecing together to a night like that was was probably about trying to gently feed the the plum and dump that the act two piece to our to yeah the to the, the introduce the new choreographer sandwiched by yeah. um some other Very things accessible yeah some other yeah. things that subscribers would have been more like yeah hey we right. know yeah. and and like you know what i'm okay with that mm-hmm. yeah yeah well so that was alberta ballet's unleashed um i mean by the time that this is coming out people won't be able to see it anymore but i do like to go and see a triple bill not only for um just being able to see the range of a company but being able to see like a lot of different types of choreography that we normally wouldn't be able to experience like brian webb wouldn't bring in like a helen Pickett, someone presenting helen pickett you know like it would and and we wouldn't you know see balancing other than alberta ballet doing it right um and we got to have two intermissions, so that was fun. <laughs> there was also that. <laughs> so, um, well, with that, um, I think we'll go into another ad. This episode of I Don't Get It is brought to you by Skirts of Fire, a festival that features the work of women in the arts. This year's festival is bigger than ever before. Among the highlights are shows at the ATB Arts Barns, the Station on Jasper, and the Nook Cafe, plus music, dance, drumming, and performances all along Alberta Avenue. Plus, our friends at Skirts of Fire are offering $5 off tickets to their main stage show, The Blue Hour. I Don't Get It listeners can purchase tickets via the Fringe Box office and use the code panel five at checkout we'll include the info for that in our show notes skirts of fire takes place from february 27th to march 8th get your tickets today at skirtsoffire.com and i will note that we are doing a special skirts of fire live taping of an episode for a discussion of the blue hour their main stage performance uh we'll be doing that at the atb arts barns on march 1st at four o'clock so you can go see the the blue hour before that and and uh and come hang out or you can not see the show and just come hang out for the the panel uh we would love to have you there um so yeah join us won't you all right colleen so um that's a that's a big episode what 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 else is happening in edmonton this week uh, this week we have Noises Off at Mayfield Dinner Theatre playing until March 29th. And um, as previously mentioned, As You Like It is running at the Citadel Theatre until March 15th. As also previously mentioned, Skirts of Fire at various locations running from February 27th till March 8th. Hey Ladies, One Night Only, Roxy on Gateway runs February 28th. And Girl Brain also runs uh, at Roxy on Gateway on February 29th. It's kind of funny how there's like these two like 
like single ladies like one night only shows happening at the Roxy as part of their regular programming. Single ladies. Oh, single ladies. Uh, Place is a city written on this body by Spazio Performativo is running from February 28th to 29th. La Boheme is playing by the Mercury Opera at the Citadel Theater from March 5th to March 14th. And Edmonton Flamenco Festival's main stage performance, El Aruco, is playing at the Winspear Center on March 13th. Bernstein's Candide by the Edmonton Opera is playing at the Jubilee from March 14th to the 20th. And we're going to get a see that. And John Elliott is in that too. <laughs> we love John Elliott. Well, we really loved him in every brilliant thing. I I like I, that was one of the best shows I've seen in like the last decade. We got to see some more Elliott. Yeah, got to see some more John Elliott. Here you go. So, um Candide, uh Elliott is The last time I saw Candide was at the um was in Milan at uh, oh, the big famous opera house, which is called... La Scala. La Scala. Yeah, that's where I saw it. There's a lot of real cool dance that premieres there, too, and I've never been there. Oh, La Scala is beautiful, and it's amazing. On the opening night of the operas, like, people actually show up, like, in, like, the finery of Milan. Like, the the gowns. Like, the gowns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if only we could be so special in it. You know what? One day this podcast is going to pay for that. (laughs) (laughs) One day, one day we will be at La Scala. All right. Well, thank you for listening to I Don't Get It, everyone. It's been a great week. We've seen some beautiful shows in the last few weeks. And I really thank Colleen, especially, for pinch hitting for Paul while he was doing all of the wildfire stuff. Love you, baby. Love you, too. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta, in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blenoff. Sit here thinking, I love